Hey there, beings. You are listening to the Self-Tivity Podcast. I am your self-investing storyteller, Danny Jessen. I'm a writer, a creative entrepreneur, but most importantly, a mindfulness advocate. For those who are new to this podcast, my goal is to merge mindfulness and self-love into our self-investing journey, as well as our entrepreneurial endeavors. Today, I have a special guest with me. Allow me to introduce. Are you ready? Hey there, beings. You are listening to the self Timothy Podcast. I am Dani, your self-investment storyteller. And today I am super pumped because I have a guest with me. I have Miss Alexa Martin. Alexa Martin is a mindset coach who helps overwhelmed and anxious corporate workers stop living for the weekend. Martin was introduced to mindset coaching through her journey with anxiety and her experiences with an eating disorder. I have invited Ms. Martin on the show to talk about staying grounded while working the corporate lifestyle. So I have given you a little brief introduction, but I always think it's very important for people to be able to share with others who they are in their own words. So if you can just give us a little bit of background about who you are, tell us what your dislikes are, your likes are, your passions, a little bit in just a few minutes. (laughs) Absolutely. Big questions. So I'm Alexa. Thank you so much for having me on here today. I'm just so grateful to be chatting about mindset, staying grounded in the corporate life, all those good things. And I really appreciate your introduction. You really nailed it. I got introduced to mindset through my own healing journey, right? So I was very high anxiety. I had experienced an eating disorder almost my entire life. And I was just constantly looking to things outside of myself for validation. And I got introduced to the world of wellness, the world of personal growth, of mindset, and it just completely changed my life in so many ways. It's so crazy to look back on it, right? Because at the time when I was introduced to all these things, I was checking all the boxes. Like, Mm -hmm. we were checking them all. But I still wasn't happy and I still wasn't fulfilled. And so often as human beings, we're just settling for less than we're worth because we're checking all the boxes and we think that's what we should be doing. And at the end of the day, we're just settling. So that was a little bit of a tangent, but No, it's fine. Now I'm a mindset coach and I help other people. I help corporate workers, entrepreneurs who are feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, anxious, learn how to just embrace their most confident selves and get out of their own way and get unstuck in order to create lives that they genuinely love. Yeah, love it. So what do you generally see in your practice when it comes to people feeling unstuck? What does that usually look like? Or feeling stuck? How does it look like when they are saying they're stuck? Well, honestly, people just come to me and say exactly that. I feel stuck. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm getting in my own way. Or I hear a lot. People say, I feel lost. That's a Mm -hmm. big one. Just this feeling of loss, of unknowing of what to do next, 
And it's really just like this feeling of something's not quite right here, but I don't know exactly what it is. And I don't know exactly what to do to get out of it. Yeah. So how do you walk them through that process? Or I know you can't give out your entire platform in a few minutes, but (laughs) what does that generally look like when you're trying to, or what's the beginning look like to try to unravel that? I keep wanting to stay unstuck. I want to stay unstuck. (laughs) But how do you unravel stuckness? Yeah. And this is a great tool to use. So what I have people do is write out one to 10, how they feel in all different areas of their life. So how fulfilled and energized they feel by friends, by family, by work, by their money situation, their home environment, their creativity, their sense of fun and adventure and play, physical health, emotional health, romantic relationships. I'm trying to think of all of them, but yeah, one to 10, how you feel in all those different areas of your life. And then one to 10, how you want to feel knowing that we cannot be at a 10 all the time, right? We can't be pouring a 10 out of 10 energy into everything. It doesn't work that way. And so sometimes it's okay to be like, you know what, right now I'm really focused on my career. That feels really good to me. And I'm okay with my physical health being a six, right? Or I'm okay with my friendships being a six right now. That actually feels really good to me. So writing out one to 10, how you want to feel in all those different areas of your life, and then looking at where the biggest gaps are, right? So a place that you're feeling like a two or a three, and you want to be feeling like a seven or an eight or a nine. And those are the areas where we can then start to kind of dig deep into what's going on there. How are you going to get out of it and really just go from there? Yeah. So earlier you mentioned that you had all the boxes checked. Elaborate on that a little bit. What does it mean to have all the boxes checked? And how did you transition from not feeling like that was your fulfilled life? Or was it? Maybe you just need to share a little bit about what that means. Well, at the time I was at MIT where I was studying math and I was the president of the student government. So like I was sitting on stage at MIT's graduation. That is a very large box to be checked. (laughs) Like objectively in the scheme of the world, yeah, large box to be checked. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, look at me. No, I get what you say. Right. I'm saying it because you can get to that point and it's still not going to fulfill you. Right. It has to come from within. And I was sacrificing so many of my just authentic wants and authentic needs, like, like the need to be taking care of myself physically, right. The need to taking care of myself emotionally. I was sacrificing all of that just to create a life that would look really good on the mm. outside. Mm. That's something right there. Because MIT, I think that is a major name. Honestly, I know little about MIT, but I just know it 
on a surface level because it has that much power is pervasive like it's, it sounds like it's legit oh if someone says MIT <laughs> wow that's good because that's what the narrative has been is that that's a good thing to accomplish that's a good school to have you have on your resume but like you realize is that it's not everything you know what I mean and for some it could be you know maybe that is people's passion but how do we define you know what it is that is true to us like if you were sitting on that stage and you still felt unfulfilled or you felt like you weren't tapping into your creativity and who you were is it really worth it like when I'm looking out in the world I feel like we all get kind of sucked up into a storyline that's been created to be it you know this is the it thing you should go to school you should go to college you should get a job and then at the end of the day no one is happy about it or maybe there are people happy about it I can't speak for everyone but more and more each day you hear people wanting to quit their jobs people are upset with their current life state and I feel like there's a balance and that's why I wanted to kind of talk about that corporate life because everyone is not built to be an entrepreneur everyone is not going to want to do it it might not be that passion and some people like to serve and I also would say that some entrepreneurs and business owners would need someone to work for them and it's important for us to understand what that work-life balance should be for both the owner of the business and their employees like the relationship should be more like a partnership like my business doesn't run smoothly if you aren't doing well if you don't fulfill yourself in other ways i feel like that conversation between the owner and employees should be a little bit more defined because now employees are just working a job and they have no passion behind it that's where they're just doing what they had to do for paycheck and for money and it's almost seemed like slave mentality and just come here and cash a check but if you are an employee and you want to continue to work at a job but you don't want to i'm trying to get to my question <laughs> i know you're like what is she saying <laughs> <laughs> but if you are employing, you're not really into building your own business. That's the thing. Everyone wants to build their own business. Um, but you still want to work for someone, but you still need that balance. Mm -hmm. What are some of the steps that you provide to your clients in order for them to find that balance in the workplace? Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to get to that, but I want to just touch on something that you mentioned, because I think it's really important to call it out that we're by no means saying entrepreneurship is the way to go. I think yeah. that a lot of times in the mindset, the coaching space, it's, that is almost like this like underlying sentiment preaching thing that's going on that like everyone should leave their corporate jobs and just yeah. work for themselves. And I really don't believe in that. Yeah. And this is where I really think it's important for people to look at like the why and the energy behind the decisions they're making, right? Are you doing it because you feel excited and you feel expanded by it? Or are you doing it out of fear or guilt or you should because that's what everyone else is doing and really starting to kind of 
weave out what that energy dynamic is behind all of the decisions that you're making. And for a lot of people, right, being in a corporate job is going to provide a sense of safety and a sense of comfort and a sense of financial means for the life they want to live. And that's going to feel really good to them. And that's perfect, right? That's perfect. So we are by no means being like, everyone go quit your corporate job and become right, an right, right. <laughs> but yeah. circling back to what you were talking about just in terms of like balance in a corporate job there's tons of different ways to tackle this and what i'll say right now to get us like going into it is it really comes down to knowing your needs right what you need in order to show up as your best self every day so that can be like how much time do i need not working like what boundaries do i need to set in terms of taking on other people's emotions when i'm available for work whatever it may be What do I need in order to show as my best self? And also telling yourself that like, I am worthy of fulfilling Mm -hmm. those needs. So it's not only knowing what you need, but also believing in your own self-worth enough to advocate for those needs and to make them a reality for yourself. Yeah. If you were to make an educated guess, what would you say is the cause for people initially feeling that unworthiness or what are some of the causes? I mean, that can come from so many different things, but at the end of the day, it comes from something between the ages, usually zero to seven, right? Because that is when your mind is in the developmental phase and that's when conditioning occurs So something in the ages from zero to seven that either happened, it can be a belief that's been passed down by generation to generation. It can be an experience where you went to go tell your mom something, your dad something or whatever it may be. And you were met with no love in return, right? And you started to take on these beliefs that you weren't worthy. It can come from childhood trauma. It can come from the way that children treated you in school, different things that like society taught you, right? It can come from so many different ways, but oftentimes it comes from experiences at a very root level from ages zero to seven. Yeah. So the corporate life, it usually is a nine to five Deal. Do you feel like even if someone is in a nine to five, are they still accessing their, I guess, their worth of self if they dedicate that much time to another person's business? And I'm only saying is not to sway to the entrepreneurial lifestyle, but just to add some perspective to why someone would feel fulfilled in 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. job. And if there are any belief system that that person would have that could be valuable to them. And that's why they would want to work at 9 a.m. to 5. I often see that, as we mentioned before, people are really boosting entrepreneurship and say, you know, making other people feel like they're less than. And then you also run into people who don't really have a passion or purpose that they want to share with the world. And I, I battle between both two concepts. 
process because it's like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. is a lot of time. It's almost like you could be on autopilot. So I just want to see if there's some perspective you want to add there. And the other thing is I always wonder why people don't really know what it is they want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that much time doing someone else's thing kind of strips away from anything they could possibly want to do for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always look at things as, you know, you can have your 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and still have some type of hobby. Do you see that with your clients or what are your clients' rationale for wanting to stay in the 9 a.m. to 5 p.m.? Yeah, for sure. And you were talking about just like if I think that people can be in a nine to five and still be operating right from a high level of self-worth. And I think a hundred percent. Yes. Right. I can't say what's going to be right for anyone else besides myself. I know for me, I couldn't spend that much time doing something that I wasn't wholeheartedly lit up by, but that's just me. And for other people, right? Work and people that I work with, work is just that, right? They just want it to be a means of stability and financial freedom so that they can do other things that they want. And that feels really good to them. And they really just genuinely don't have an authentic interest in doing anything else. And that's perfect. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be different person to person. And it's all about just getting honest with yourself and being like, is this what I genuinely want? And you mentioned that oftentimes people don't know what their passions are, right? Yeah. Which to someone who does know their passions can be like, how do you not know what you like? (laughs) But something that I find is that two big things, we'll go three, three big things that play a role in not knowing what your passions are. One, your passions change. So it's like detaching from this idea that you need to know what your passion for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life is going to be. And just lean into what feels good to you really now. That did not come out right. What feels really good to you right now? What feels expensive? I was following you, though. (laughs) You're like, yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So like one, detaching from needing to know what your lifelong passion is, because that's just going to create this pressure. And then in a pressured situation, you're not going to get any clarity. So releasing this like force and just approaching it with this sense of ease and asking yourself what feels expansive to me right now. The first one. The second is if you're so busy running around from activity to activity, talking to people, just constantly running around to things. There's no time for you to really get in touch with yourself Mm -hmm. and in touch with your own intuition. So having moments of stillness, of silence, of introspection play a huge role in really knowing yourself. And then the third and the last reason that I find that oftentimes people... Oh, I just thought of a fourth that (laughs) no bring it on. (laughs) People don't know their passions is because growing up, they were never asked what they 
wanted to do, right? It was like, you'll be a good doctor. You'd be a good this or whatever it may be. They were never asked. And so they learned to silence that voice within themselves. Yeah. And then the fourth, <laughs> this is the final one. No good. If you got more, you can say them. <laughs> Sometimes we hide our fears behind lack of clarity. So we say we don't know, but the reality is on a deep level, we do know, but we're scared to say it and we're scared mm. to pursue it. Mm. I think that might be a big one. And and because I would think of it this way, if I guess AI took over and we all had robots to do these day-to-day jobs, like we didn't need someone to be president of the marketing company or we didn't need someone to be you know at a retail and a store what would that person have left would they be able to tap into anything and feel like their existence matters without it being attached to something like that but even when the entrepreneur is an entrepreneur or a singer is a singer it's still attached to being of service to someone outside of yourself so i have in my own journey with speaking with creatives and just people that i run into have started to detach that question like what's your passion what's your passion because it's like you said it's evolving I love the idea that, you know, what what feels good to me right now. And I I am definitely like the poster child for having lots and lots lots of passion because I I just feel like there's just so much to live for. Mm -hmm. And even in moments where I felt like, what is this life about? When I tap back into there's so much to live for, it's like, wow, there is really so much to live for. And it's almost like it's a trick that my mind is playing to say that there isn't. Mm-hmm. Now, um, talk a little bit about how your minds are and what could be their truth. Um, let's talk a little bit about your story of overcoming your eating disorder. What could you share with us about that? What was that journey like for you? For sure. So for me... I honestly can't remember a single time in my entire life growing up that I looked in the mirror and was like, "Mm, I like what that looks like. Not once. Right. And because of that, I always had a disordered relationship with food. I honestly, like, I cannot remember a single time growing up that I felt like food was just food. It was always this There was so much emotion attached to it always. Of course, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was thinking about when I was three or four. I'm sure little Alexa was just like (laughs) going in. You probably was hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Was just going in. But for as long as I can remember, I always had a disordered image with food and a disordered view of my body. And when that started to really change was when I really began to create a separation between who I was and my body, Mm -hmm. right? And I started to kind of look at like our physical selves as these little vehicles, like these cars that just take us through this human experience. But you know, what kind of car you drive says nothing about your soul, Mm -hmm. right? And I really started to just think about that and really just embody that. 
And instead of viewing my body as some representation of me, I just started to thank it for allowing me to experience this incredible human life that we have the opportunity to experience, right? You don't need to like, like I always say this, you don't need to look in the mirror and say, oh, I love the way I look. You really don't. But what you do need is to respect your body, to have Mm -hmm. gratitude for your body, right? And to detach your sense of worthiness and who you are from the way that it looks. Yeah, I love that. So where do you think that seed of not having that relationship with the food disorder, what do you think that seed was? Was it something that you've seen on TV? Was it anything that had to do with your upbringing? What was the seed of that? Or was it just always just innately there? So for me, growing up, I didn't really receive love in the way I would have wanted. At home, I felt unloved. And because of that, started to seek validation outside of myself. And one of the ways in which I felt validated was by people telling me, oh, you're cute or you're pretty or whatever it may be. Right. And I let that fill my cup up so Mm. much that I became dependent on that and reliant on that. And you can imagine how when you're like so reliant on someone feeding your ego by telling you they like the way you look, how that can just spiral out of control. Yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with the, I talk about this book all the time. Are you familiar with the book, The Four Agreements? Yeah. Yeah. You When you were saying that, it reminded me of the agreement of not taking it personally either way, even if it was good or, you know, if it was bad. Because I think I, I had that as a child as well. Like I had a lot of praises as a child. And then I, when I got older, I was just like, were they just like really just praising me just because you know, I was their family or, you know, part of their organization or like, am I good or am I not good? So it was like, even that I had to, even though it was seen like it was a positive upbringing, people feeling me with, with love in my family. As I got older, I was just like, I kind of think I'm too great. And it might be a problem with this because I don't know if it was a lie or not. You know, I don't know if people really thought that that was a, a truth or if I just, and it also, it served as a, um, a cushion. It was almost like I was naive to anything almost protected me from experiences that could have been negative. I think there were probably opportunities when I were young where I could have got picked on, but just never happened. You know, maybe it's just having that that cup being filled from your family. Yeah. I still feel like it it played its role for sure. Yeah. So um, that's interesting to see that you didn't feel the type of love you needed from your. I guess from your family, your mom and dad, or um, whoever was responsible for bringing you up. What would you define that love as? I know you probably had a different interpretation when you were young, but if you were able to look back and understand what exactly you were looking for from them, what is it that you felt like they were lacking? Mm, Such a good question. I almost don't want to answer it because they are like, freaking heroes, right? Our parents Mm -hmm. are literal heroes. And it is so easy to look at them and point out all the ways that they didn't serve our needs and they didn't do this, they didn't do that. 
But when you really think about it, like the reason why they may not have met particular needs of yours were because they were working so hard, (laughs) you know, for you and Mm -hmm. they can't do everything. Yeah. I don't even want to like point fingers and be like, well, they didn't do this and they didn't do that, right? They were doing the best they could and they yeah. are total heroes for it. Yeah. And I definitely get that. I, I just, and I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't pose that question in a way of judging what it is that they did, but just like what our minds were thinking. Like, mm-hmm. what did we think? think love was because and I'll share an example of like just that evolution of realizing exactly what you pointed out is that our parents are heroes and or just the people who were part of our upbringing my relationship with my mom when I was younger seemed like it was this most tragic thing like I wish I was like I you know I wish this and this and this was this way and although some some things could be valid we all work at being a better human it was like I grew up and I became a mother myself it was just so many things it's like wow there there was a lot of more there was more mercy Mm. that I provided but it didn't come until later on because I was able to look back but I also wish that there was something and I'm posing this question to you because it's a part of like how I want to do some research with families and that relationship between parent and child because I feel like although they were our heroes right although they they did their best and they didn't necessarily do anything wrong there was still some type of disconnect Mm -hmm. and we're raising these adults, I mean, we're raising these children that one day become adults, right? And then these adults in the world are responsible for all these decisions for how the world should be moving forward. But a lot of them are still suffering from something in their childhood, right? And I feel like if we could kind of find out or analyze it on a scale where it's still personal, like this is something that I recognize in my childhood. And it could be something that is, I don't want to dismiss anything. But it could be something that might be really lighthearted, like me, because we see children cry over not being able to get a nail polish out of the store. You know, it might have a fail. It could be very (laughs) dismissible type of things (laughs) happening. Even at the end of those days, at the end of those days, even those children want and they feel secure, you know, they feel happy um, to be in their parents' presence and to have that nurture. So I would say for me, I feel like the lack of transparency was one of the things as I grew up, I think would have been important mm-hmm. um, for me to be a better child adult. Because I feel like we still need that children uh, mentality as we grow, but it should be like the mature child. You're following the mature child is they're healed, but they still have that energy. They still have that um, lack of fear. They still have that feeling to go after things, to try new things. But now they when I have a little bit more responsibility with you know carrying the a little bit more load in the world Mm -hmm. so we wouldn't want to bash any parents or anything like that but I think it's you know even if we all do it when we're home or we're listening what is it that we felt like we were lacking and how as we raise children or even if we're not raising children or we're in that raising of ourselves, little child in ourselves, what is it that we really need? Um, I feel like it's just a good question to to have for ourselves because 
we're in this cycle, right? We're in this cycle where we're like, all these adults are trying to heal <laughs> from their childhood. <laughs> and maybe there's a point where we can stop that and have these next generation of adults that are coming in, yeah. not to have to do a lot of that work, but they can start focusing more on really making us get closer to what could be really world peace. Because we're focusing on all these things that either divisive in nature or but you just have my mind. I can talk. I, I'm, I'm practicing. <laughs> I'm practicing, but no, but that's, I mean, why, that's why I pose that question. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like what you're saying is it's true. And I think it's really cool, actually, how almost like mainstream this mindset and healing work is becoming, right? Like you see it on like TikTok, people go off on TikTok about mindset and there's tons of high schoolers that are just like diving into it. And it's the coolest thing in the world because those people are going to grow up to be able to show up for their children in a way that like their parents weren't able to. And really it's in that healing that we can get one step closer to like uniting as a collective because I really do believe in the very bottom pits of my soul that so many issues in this world arise from just like these inner wounds right that people are experiencing and acting out on so I think that it's really cool that so many people are getting into personal work, self-development, mindset, whatever it may be. It's super, super cool. And to answer your question a bit on just like what it kind of looked like for me growing up, for me, I felt like I wasn't cared for. And I felt like my parents liked my sister more than me because I always felt like I was so strong and independent. And because of that, like other people didn't need to take care of me. But deep down, and this is like the funny, the ironic part of it all is like deep down, I really wanted to be cared for. But at the same time, I acted so independent that I like wasn't allowing anyone (laughs) (laughs) to take care of me. And it's so funny how we do that as humans. It's like this form of self-sabotage, right? You can think about like abandonment. We're so scared of abandonment, but in being so scared of abandonment, we create abandonment for ourselves. For me, it was like in really deep down wanting to be taken care of, I didn't allow people to take care of me. So it's super interesting to think about. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, So overcoming fear, can you share with us an example of you overcoming a particular fear? Like, how did you get over that fear? So we already talked about the eating disorder. I'm not sure if there was any fear components there. Were there any particular fears fears in your life that you overcame and how did you overcome it? And this can be very broad. It doesn't have to be work (laughs) or corporate life, just the fear itself. You know, it's such a, the first one that comes to mind and it's going to sound so trivial, but I, when I was first starting this entrepreneur mindset life, I was reading tons of mindset books. I must've read like a hundred mindset books and nobody knew. 
It was like mm-hmm. I was like in my bedroom in the closet reading the mindset books, <laughs> in the bathroom at work, reading the mindset books. And I actually thought that I was Brene Brown in my head and that one morning I was just going to wake up and everyone was going to acknowledge the fact that I had all this cool mindset knowledge without ever telling anyone, right? It was like I wanted to live this grand life with without ever having to actually do anything because mm-hmm. I was so scared of what other people would think of me, of what my friends would think of me. You're like this party girl. And all of a sudden you're posting on Instagram about personal development. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, so, for sure. A ton, a ton of fear. And it's so funny when I think about it, the people who I was scared of, like what they would think of me would be like, what, what would like Johnny from like, math class in high school think about me (laughs) he's not thinking about you (laughs) but I mean and it's so real and you know what helped me get over it was just taking action anyway Mm -hmm. it wasn't any sort of mindset hacks that I did behind the scenes it was just someone saying just do it, Alexa, and me doing it and everything being okay. I love that. I love it. So I'm definitely having a great, very great conversation with you. I want us to be able to get through some self-tivities now. I, I share yeah. with you what the self-tivity statement formula was like um, for those who haven't been here before or first time listening to the podcast. Self-tivity philosophy. That's a, a little philosophy that I created. Um, I don't have a doctrine in philosophy creation, but <laughs> you know, I just created a, a philosophy. And to keep it short, I just believe that we all have the opportunity to live our mother loving life. And we intentionally do this by investing in our own health, our own being, our own mindset. And so I created these little self-tivities, and that's activities for yourself. So one of them are my self-tivity games. That's one sphere. And then the other is self-tivity statements, which I like to close out. So we're going to start with one of the self-tivity games. Now, this is a new game that I'm going to be trying out with you. (laughs) And I actually uh, recently created this because of a fear that I was overcoming. And then I just pretty much converted it to be something that uh, was served me at the time. So one thing is I have all these essays in my head, all these I want to share, but like I always wanted this to be perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. And then going back to that action, I was like, OK, well, how do I act on this and still stay true to myself but moving the needle closer to whatever my message is? Right. Mm-hmm. My ultimate goal was to do a TED Talk, right? The TED Talk, you got to get on stage. You got to be prepared to like be in front of all these people, things like that. And I was just like, "Ah, I still want to talk, but maybe I'll just create my own thing. So here's the own thing. Get into it. (laughs) This is called Danny Dividends. Now, because I have a a self 
investing type um, theme that I use on my platform. Um, so if you're familiar with investing, dividends are what the company will give out. Um, if, after they make a profit, then those stockholders, they get paid a dividend sometime monthly or quarterly, and it's based off of their profit. So for Danny dividends, it's almost like TED Talk. So TED Talk has a meaning for each letter. Like it's like technology, entertainment, mm-hmm. and I forget the last one. So I have one. It's for Danny dividends. So as Danny, because of the excitement of being a child. (laughs) So I'll share what my uh, mine are. Discussion, awareness, necessities, innovative, imagination, and inviters. So discussion basically is more of us arguing with each other about what's right and what's wrong, but just having an open discussion, whatever it is that you want to discuss. Awareness is for self-awareness, but, you know, I couldn't put the S because I was trying to be consistent. Um, Necessities is what is really true. Like, what do we need in order for us to live our our best lives? Innovatives are those who are innovators. Imagination is like the storytellers, the creators, like how they're using their imagination. And the inviters are those who have a certain concept and they want to invite people to their concept instead of forcing people to be a part of that concept. So now let's get to the selectivity. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, 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 nah. so what you're going to do, I'm going to put a minute on the clock and you're going to do your Danny Dividend, like you're on stage for your TED Talk, for any topic that's on the top of your head. It's a message that you want to share for a minute straight. So I'll put a minute and, um, Well, I'll let you tell me, do you want me to give you just a word and you go off of that word for a minute and create a message out of it? Or do you want to speak from your heart for one minute? Oh, give me a word, but don't. Okay. Don't make it actually make it whatever you want. I was going to be like, don't make it weird, like pineapple, but honestly, give me pineapple. (laughs) Okay. You know what? I'm I'm glad that we just said this because this is going to be fun when I, because the point is, point of this is that, you know, a lot of people are listening to podcasts more. And the thing about getting on stage is like, that's more extroverted. You know, I feel like sometimes I I can be extroverted, but I'm more introverted. So just having my speech on the audio, I want to invite people in the future to come on and just do their essay for 10 minutes. That's their little TED talk, you know, have those segments. So if you ever want to come on and do an essay of whatever your passion is or whatever's on your mind, you are invited back to do your daily dividend full effect. All right. So this is fun. Let me think of a word. Hmm. You're like looking around the room. Yeah. (laughs) Looking around the room like, what can I say that's correct? Okay. I got the word. I got the word. Good word over there. Okay. Now I'll put a minute on the clock. So let me put like minute. 10 seconds to think about it. Yeah, 10 seconds to think about it. Um, and where then, did the clock start? Huh? I said between 10 seconds between the word and the clock. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you the word now while I look for the clock. The okay. word is repair. Oh, mm, such a great word. Let's see. It's going to take me, I always like lose the clock on my phone. So you might get more than 10 seconds. <laughs> okay. found it. All right. So now I'm, I'm 10 seconds, 10, nine, You were ready? Okay. Yeah. Starting one minute on a clock. If you can okay. see this. I can, I can. Cool. Okay. So we are talking all about 
repairing, right? And when I think of repair, I really think about our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with the world and how important it is to first repair our relationship with ourselves because how we show up for ourselves is how we show up for other people. And we're so quick to want to give and give and give to the world and give and give and give to other people. And we forget to give to ourselves first. And so when you think about repair and you think about how you want to show up for the world and how you want to show up for other people, it really starts with what's inside of you. And it starts with what's within. So this is your call to do something in the next seven days to help repair your relationship with yourself. Alexa, how perfect was that? That's that MIT. It's like, no. <laughs> that is her Alexa. Wow. I loved it. That was so good. I was so excited. You really just put so much excitement inside of me. Like that all flowed so well. Oh, uh, thank you. I love it. Thank you for, for playing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So again, we have a self-tivity statement now. Mm-hmm. which is the formula is your affirmation, uh, whatever it is that you want to speak into your life, plus the intentional action that supports it. So what are you going to do to make that affirmation true? So Alexa, you will share with us now what your self-service statement is. Yes, I allow myself to experience the celebration of life. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? By dancing. Oh, that was nice. Yes. Perfect. You're just the perfect self-tivity guest. (laughs) Thank you. It's fun. I'm like, let's play more games. Right. (laughs) Well, well, if you ever want to come on in the future, I'm starting these games where I wanted to, when I want to do them live and I want like strangers to get together and pretty much they're going to share what it is that, they think the other person would answer the question as. So you're going to answer the question. Like, for instance, if I say, in this scenario, someone just ran over your your cat. What do you do? You only have these three answers, A, B, or C. And so you would pick that you would do A, and then you would guess what the other person would do, and then we put it on the screen and see how many you got right. And I want to do that with entrepreneurs, and they can come up, and then they can share what their platform is. What you're going to do now, you're going to share any way that people can connect with you, um, your yeah. website, or any of your social media platforms. How do people get in contact with you? And if there's anything that you would like to share in reference to the service you provide, the floor is now yours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so my Instagram is at Alexa Kmart. And my website is alexakmartin.com. And those are the best ways to get in contact with me. And if this resonated, or if you have any questions, just reach out. I'm very friendly and welcoming and open. (laughs) So yeah, reach out on Instagram is the best way in the DMs. Just say, hey, say where you came from and we can go from there. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you again for being a guest here on the self Sivity Podcast. I would invite you back and whenever you want to, just ping me and let me know that you're interested. 
we can set up some time. I really enjoyed the conversation with you. And anyone who is listening, I hope that you, if you connected or resonated with this being here, Alexa Martin, to connect with her on the platform that she shared with us. And if you are interested in her service, uh, just check out her website. Did you say your website? Yeah, alexakmartin.com. alexakmartin.com. Okay, everyone. We are at the end of the podcast episode. A reminder to you all to hold on to you as much as you can. Hold on to your health, your being, and your mind. Be mindful.